What's up, rich friends? Welcome back to another episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka your rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. I hope you guys have had a wonderful week thus far, and today I am feeling soft, tender, a little sentimental. And that is why we are going to talk about my man, um, my boo thing, my fiance, and the light of my life. In particular, I wanted to talk through a little bit about finding a partner who really values you, why it's critically important to your finances to find a good partner, and what doors and opportunities the right person in your life can really open up for you. So of course, I am going to tell you the official story of how I met my fiance. And then we're also gonna talk through three really big traits you should look for in a future partner. And if you are not currently single and you are in a happy relationship and you feel like you have an awesome partner, please actually tag us at Your Rich BFF and Net Worth and Chill Pod across social media and tell us what the best trait you believe your partner to have. Okay, so even before I tell you the story of how I met my man, let's back all the way up back to when I was just a sprightly 22-year-old single girly in New York City. I had moved to New York after college and I was working on Wall Street. I was very busy. So like many other young people, I turned to the apps and I was on all of them. Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, Elite. There were like, there were so many, I couldn't even keep track. And I know people say dating in New York is just absolutely dastardly. And frankly, I have seen some of my friends dating apps more recently, just like a couple weeks ago. And wow, the, uh, the, the pool of selection is not the most good. But I will say, I actually had a pretty good dating history in that certainly I went on quite a few dates, kissed a bunch of frogs, people who were not good matches, whatever, didn't go anywhere. But I also met some really awesome, cool, nice people. But they were all just missing something. I don't, like every single person had like a fatal flaw that for some reason I couldn't get over. And these weren't like, oh, I don't like how his hair is, but like more so like this person does not challenge me. They might be a little bit too content with their current life and they don't want to strive for more. And it, it would just be like a fatal flaw. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. So one day I was having coffee with one of my guy friends from college. He was in town visiting from Chicago and I knew this guy, I knew his ex-girlfriend, I knew, you know, we had known each other for quite a while. And we were talking and I was telling him about my dating struggles and he looked me dead in the eye. And Nate, if you're listening, I thank you for saying this, but I'm so glad it wasn't true. He said, Viv, I'm going to be honest with you. I think your standards might be a little too high because I had told him that I wanted someone who was just as smart as I was, someone who was just as driven, someone who made around the same amount of money, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but someone who would be able to keep up with my lifestyle. I didn't have an expectation that they would foot the bill for everything, but I wouldn't want to hold myself back based on how much money they were making. And Nate genuinely was like, Viv, I don't know if this dude exists. Which to hear from a guy friend is super depressing. <laughs> 
And obviously I did not pay him any mind and I kept going on these dates and I kept meeting people off of dating apps. And you know, frankly, I never met someone who really fit the bill the way that I needed it to. But this is where the ultimate story of how I met my fiance comes in. And for those of you who are looking for this adorable meet cute where we bump into each other at a coffee shop, and fall instantly in love as our eyes lock. I am so sorry, but that is not this story. <laughs> I like to call this story finding love in a hopeless place a la Rihanna. So when I moved to New York, uh, I moved in with another girlfriend from college. And at the time, both of us were working in Midtown. So we wanted to get an apartment that wasn't too far from either of our offices because she knew that I would be working really, really early mornings. And I knew that she was going to be working really, really late nights. So we both wanted to be able to get to and from work quickly. And most of the apartments in the area that we were looking were high-rise doorman buildings. And just to cut to the chase, straight up, we could not afford it. What we ended up deciding was to move into a really nice building. I wouldn't say really nice. It was a decently nice building. And the only way we were going to be able to afford it is to move into a 600-something square foot studio. So it wasn't even like a one-bedroom or two-bedroom. Like me and this girl literally had one large room with two full-size beds in it. And if we sat up, we would be looking at each other. We were almost like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's grandparents in that one bed that they shared, except it was just two different beds. It was pretty much a glorified NYU dorm room. But we made the best of our situation and we were good friends and we would typically go out with each other or our, our, our respected friends from work. And one random Friday night, she had told me that she had plans to go out with a lot of the young coworkers on her team and was like, you should come. For context, she she was a banker. I was a trader. Both of us were working on Wall Street. So I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm sure there's some overlap. I'm sure they know some of the friends I work with. They all probably went to the same schools, whatever. Like, it wouldn't have been too, too weird until I crashed and realized that they had all just come from like a team dinner. And the scene of the crime was Le Poisson Rouge. Anybody who has ever been to or lived in New York knows that LPR is essentially a frat basement. And that is being incredibly, incredibly generous. The floors are sticky, coated with stale beer. Everybody's sweaty and touching each other. It's just like a very crowded basement. And you know what? Uh, that night, my now fiance bought me a tequila shot. Yes, I am a tequila shot kind of gal. And we have a quick dance floor makeout and then we don't speak for six months. That's right. You thought that was where we fell in love? Nope, absolutely not. We did not trade numbers. We did not contact each other. I never heard from this man again. <laughs> and, and that was okay. I think both of us were, you know, new to New York, having a great time. And I personally very much had the motto of like, here for a good time, not for a long time. So it was no hard feelings, but I didn't really think too much of it. But, you know, six months later, about half a year later, I ended up at another bar. And this bar was called Sidebar. I, I hate that you guys are learning these fun facts about me because I feel like they are really representative of who I am as a person. But Sidebar is, again, a sticky, smelly, hot sports bar that has now actually shut down. R.I.P. Sidebar. But he's there and he tells the story that when he sees me walk in, he tells his friend, like, hold my beer. He beelines it over to me and he and I actually end up reconnecting. And this go around, we are actually sober enough to talk and we absolutely hit it off. And in a complete 180 to what happened the first go around, he's very, very forthcoming. He's like, hey, I'm 
interested in taking you on a date. Do you want to get lunch tomorrow? And I say, sure. And so we go on our first lunch date together. And the restaurant he chose was Westville. It's just this cute little like salad healthy-ish spot. It's a chain in New York. And so sad for me because I have no time management skills. I show up 30 minutes late and I'm like texting him. I'm like, I'm on the train right now. The train's delayed. I'm so sorry. X, Y, Z. And you know, even though I showed up 30 minutes to our first date because I'm an idiot, he was so nice about it and we ended up having a really wonderful time. We sat in that little sandwich salad spot and talked for probably two and a half, three hours. And we were just walking around the city, hanging out. And I had dinner plans that night and they ended up getting canceled because my girlfriend bailed. And I told him that. And I said, oh, what are your dinner plans? And he said, I don't have dinner plans. I don't know if that was true or not. He might've just canceled them, but we ended up getting dinner that same night. So we had lunch, we had dinner. And the next day uh, I was like, oh, I don't have any brunch plans. What are you doing? And he was like, I don't have any brunch plans. And so we had three meals back to back to back. And since then we've been together for six years and hopefully a hundred more to go. So it really does just go to show that you can find love in a hopeless place and it really does hit you when you are least looking for it, which is so ironic, right? Because I went on all of these dates with dating apps. I met so many of my friends' friends through introductions and it never worked out until this random night where I had no expectation. I didn't know he was going to be there and it worked out perfectly. And I feel very lucky to have found someone so, so awesome. And so you're probably wondering, like, what makes your fiance, aside from the fact that he is your fiance, so great? And I could rattle off a quick list of the fact that he's generous and caring and conscious of me and that he gives good snuggles and always lets me have the last tater tot. But I think it all really boils down to the person that you choose, that your significant other and your dating life is the number one deciding factor of what happens for the rest of your life's trajectory. It is so, so important. I mean, Sheryl Sandberg and Warren Buffett, like two of the biggest financial and career empowerment titans even agree on this like very important thing that your spouse is the most important financial decision you will ever make. Because even more than your parents, even more than your best friend, this is the person that you are going to be spending the most time in your entire human life with. And you know, what's the saying? They say like, you are a representation of the five people you are closest to. Like this is number one. So what does your significant other say about you? And this is why I think it's important for us to talk about positive traits that we should be looking for in our significant others. So trait one, I highly recommend finding someone who values a dollar the same way you do. Let me repeat that. I did not say find yourself a rich, significant other. I really think it's just important that they understand and feel the same about money as you can and as you do. Because when we talk about personal finance, we often focus on things like budgeting and saving and investing, but we neglect to factor in what or who could be standing in the way of us doing all of those things to the best of our abilities. I mean, if we're being real, money is one of the biggest sources of stress in a relationship. In fact, I saw a study and it said that the top two categories in which couples argue were money and intimacy. And that is so, so important to even think about that, right? Like money and sex rank one and two in terms of fights. 
And having a partner who is on the same page as you can make a huge difference. And if you and your partner share financial goals and values, you're going to be a lot more likely to be able to work together to actually achieve them. For example, before my fiance, I went on this date with this guy who was decked out in the, you know, the most amazing clothing. He had a Rolex, he had these Gucci loafers, a Ferragamo belt, like everything. And we had a similar job. So I knew how much this man was making. And I was like, how are you affording all of this? And he told me that he had five figure credit card debt. I was so appalled and I, cause I was like, I'm looking at it, sir. Like, can you return the watch? Can you return those shoes? Because I, at that time in my life would never have purchased those things at the expense of not having credit card debt. So he and I were certainly not compatible in that way because I was more of a dedicated saver and that guy was definitely a big spender and it was without a doubt going to end up leading to conflict. And when you're dating someone, you have to pay attention to their spending habits. Like, do they seem to always be buying the hottest new thing, whether or not they can afford it? For example, do you two both really value buying new clothes frequently? Do you want to own a home? Is a car just a thing to get you from point A to point B? Or is it something that has to be luxurious? Are you going to want to show off with your car? And how frequently do you want to go out for dinner and drinks? And if you're in a relationship where your partner doesn't take your finances seriously, it could really drag you down, even if you are managing your money responsibly. So just make sure to find someone with similar money values as you. And to tie it all back with a personal anecdote, I would say my fiance and myself probably spend very little on material possessions and buying items for ourselves. However, we do spend quite a lot of money when it comes to experiences. So vacations, going out to eat, going out for date night, like those are all things that we love, love, love doing. And there's no better feeling than sitting on the New York sidewalk on a nice breezy summer night and having a bowl of pasta with my boo. And on to our second important trait to look for in a partner. You wanna make sure you find someone who believes in you, even when you don't believe in yourself. At an annual Berkshire Hathaway meeting, Warren Buffett said, marry the right person, I'm serious about that. It will make more difference in your life, it will change your aspirations, all kinds of things. He then went on to say, there were two turning points in his life. One when I came out of the womb and one where I met Susie. And sadly, Warren Buffett's first wife, Susan, passed away in 2004, but just listening to him talk about her it really speaks to their relationship and how positive it was. He mentions like, what happened to me would not have happened without her. You want to associate with people who are the kind of person you'd like to be. You'll move in that direction. And the most important person by far in that respect is your spouse. You can't overemphasize how important that is. And I know you're thinking like, okay, Viv, you said that a couple times now, like where's the data? Yes, there is data. According to a study published by researchers from Carnegie Mellon University, people with supportive spouses are more likely to give themselves the chance to succeed. And on top of that, another study by Brittany C. Solomon and Joshua J. Jackson of Washington University in St. Louis shows that having a conscientious spouse can boost your salary by 4,000 dollars per year and increase your chances of getting promoted and paid more, which is no surprise, right? Like you think about your partner giving you the space, the energy and the resources you need to succeed. It makes a lot of sense why people who have supportive partners are able to do more outside of the home as well as inside of the home. And this can come in the form of multiple different things. So like expressing enthusiasm about opportunities that your spouse receives, reassuring them when they're feeling really uncertain, or even just like talking about the benefits of taking on new opportunities and challenges and not shooting down every single idea that they have before they're even able to explain it to you. And I'm not speaking from personal experience, but I do have people in my life that their spouses are very negative and it 
it kind of gives me the ick for them. And I'm like, you know, why are you letting that person talk to you that way? Like, shouldn't they be your number one cheerleader? Shouldn't they be supportive of you? You know, if you have a partner who tries to diminish your accomplishments to make themselves feel better or worsen your insecurities, like, or speak to you with any sort of disrespect or disregard, that should be an automatic red flag. Because you don't want to date someone, and certainly you don't want to marry someone, who doesn't help you be the best version of yourself. Significant others can help you thrive through new challenges or embrace the big opportunities you get in life. Or they can hinder your ability to succeed by making you less likely to pursue areas of growth or new opportunities because you're too scared and they're not supportive. So it's really up to you to ensure that you have a loving partner that does the former and not the latter. And trait number three, last but definitely not least, you gotta find someone who is financially honest. Per a bank rate study among American adults with partners, either they're married or they're living together, 39% have been financially unfaithful with 23% currently keeping financial secrets and another 30% having kept a secret in the past. And just like lying about anything else in a relationship, financial infidelity is obviously bad. In fact, 52% of U.S. adults say financial cheating is at least as bad as physical cheating. I don't know if I personally agree with that. However, it is pretty bad. And 12% actually believe it's even worse. And this is all to say, finding someone who you can be honest with and who, who can be honest with you about their finances and money is super duper important. Because financial infidelity can take a bunch of different forms and things you might want to keep an eye out for are, you know, a secret credit card or spending more than your partner or you would be comfortable with, especially if your finances are combined. Undisclosed debt, such as major student loans or credit card debt, or keeping money in a secret checking or savings account. And I think it's just really hard to feel blindsided. And that's the real root of the issue, right? Like it's not about the issue of having debt. It's not about the issue of spending money. It's about feeling like you have to hide those things from your partner that become problematic because if you're hiding those things, what else are you hiding? I will say as a personal anecdote, my partner and I operate on a yours, mine, and our system. So we pay for joint expenses like our mortgage and utilities and grocery bill together. But we also have our own accounts to pay for things like a haircut and a round of golf for him or my lash extensions and a new handbag for me. So it's very much okay to have your own money, have your own thing. In fact, I recommend it. It just becomes problematic when you're deliberately hiding and lying about them to your partner, the person you have specifically chosen to know more about you than any other person in your life. If anybody, they should be someone you should feel confident and able to be honest with. So I recommend acknowledging and talking about your money as soon as possible. Whether you have financial secrets or you're worried your partner might, opening up a direct line of communication is the only way to avoid financial infidelity. And trust me, you wanna do that because financial disagreements early in a relationship can be a leading predictor of divorce. Trust me, if you love your significant other, yes, having that conversation is going to be a little difficult or a little awkward to start, but it'll be worth it in the long run. So as we wrap up, I kind of want to leave you with a few key thoughts. Obviously, your significant other is going to have a massive impact on your finances, but with honest communication, goal setting, and smart planning, you can build a strong financial future for yourself and your boo. And as always, you want to make sure that you end up with someone who makes you feel the best version of yourself. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. 
Make sure to follow me at Yarvich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom, as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye.